Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm just going to read the first portion of the gospel lesson again. It's the basis of our meditation today. It says, Now about eight days after saying these things, he took him, with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were standing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So far as the text. Things are about to change now. As I mentioned to the kids this morning, our church calendar is going to be changing from the season of Epiphany to the season of Lent. In Epiphany, it was all about the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. And so what we had in Epiphany were a lot of these visual things, the miracles that Jesus performed. We have, at the beginning of it, the baptism of Jesus. When he came up out of the water and the heavens opened, the dove descended, the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. And we had the healings, we had the feeding of the 5,000, we had these miracles, all revealing Jesus' divine nature. And it comes to a culmination today when Jesus again is announced by the voice in heaven that this is God's Son. Listen to him. This is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the last Sunday in Epiphany. This is my son. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Begins the season of Lent. And our focus now is going to be on the cross on Good Friday and the empty tomb on Easter. I started the ministry about 35 years ago. I was ordained. And I don't remember exactly when in those first few years I was, it was this text I was struggling with, preaching on Transfiguration Sunday, and I'm thinking, what is the significance of this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a sign of the epiphany. This is God's son. Okay, I get this. But why Moses and Elijah there with him? You know, one of the things I did then was open up my Greek New Testament and I was looking at the words and then all of a sudden it popped out at me. The word that is translated in our English Bible as departure in Greek is exodon. Moses and Elijah and Jesus are talking about his exodus. That's the significance. That's why this focus now is going to be towards Jerusalem when it's going to be fulfilled. Moses led the children of Israel through the wilderness to the promised land of their salvation. We call that the Exodus. Jesus is leading us from the slavery of our sin to the promised land of our salvation. That's the significance of transfiguration. We were slaves. We are still slaves. Anybody that's made of flesh and blood yet still struggles with sin. Paul said it. He said, the good that I would that I do not, that which I would not, that I keep on doing, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God in Christ Jesus. 
In Romans, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The devil is still about. He's still roaring like a lion, looking for whom he may devour. Years ago, when I was uh, working at a church in uh, northern Minneapolis, across the street from me was the uh, battered women's shelter for the county. It was a closed shelter. I couldn't go over to the shelter to do any kind of ministry, but every once in a while, people would come over from the shelter to the church. Well, one evening, I was getting ready for uh, an elders meeting. And one of the ladies from the shelter came over, and she said she wanted to talk to me, and that was always a great thing, I thought. And so... When we got started in the conversation, she said she wanted money for a bus ticket to go to Chicago. So, well, we normally don't do that. Why do you need to go to Chicago? I'm thinking because there's family there or something. But her response to me was that she wanted to go to Chicago because the devil is after her. And she wanted to get away from the devil. Now it's kind of a smart aleck pastor at the time. I said, doesn't the devil go to Chicago? <laughs> yeah, he does. I said, you're really not going to find freedom from the devil by going to Chicago. But what I can show you is that you already have victory over the devil right now because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. The devil has no power other than what we allow him to have. He's already been defeated by Jesus on the cross, and the proof of that victory is in the resurrection of Jesus. And so even the devil himself has to obey when we tell him, in the name of Jesus Christ, get behind me. In Romans chapter 8, it says, there isn't anyone in all of creation that is able to make any accusation against us because we have been justified in Christ Jesus. There isn't height nor depth there isn't anything, not even between life and death. Nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The devil has been defeated. He only has the power that we allow him to have in our life. The problem is we're also weak human beings. We're still made of flesh and blood. In the Mount of Transfiguration, we see Peter, James, and John, these three special disciples going up on the mountain with Jesus to witness this thing that is about to take place. And what do we find them doing? Falling asleep. I'm looking around to see if anyone's asleep here. No? Yeah. That was, I don't know what time of day this was or anything, but they're getting sleepy. And when they awaken, they're seeing this transfiguration of Jesus taking place. That is, his figure is changed and his clothes are like a flash of lightning. And are with them are Moses and Elijah. Now remember, back in those days, they didn't have cameras. How do you suppose Peter, James, and John knew that was Moses and Elijah? They didn't have pictures. It's by divine inspiration. Had to be. And it says that as they were getting ready to leave, Peter makes this comment. He says, Master, it's a good thing we were here today. Let's put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
And our scripture says, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <clears throat> what do you use a shelter for? It's a place to stay. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus aren't going to stay on Mount Transfiguration. This isn't the main event. The main event's still coming. The empty tomb. What took place up on the mountain was a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Just as that just as they had said this, and it says that they didn't know what they were talking about, it says there was this cloud that enveloped them. And the voice from heaven said, This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. We listen to Jesus whenever we're opening up our scripture. Jesus is the word made flesh that came and dwelt among us. And it isn't just reading the words. It's inwardly digesting them, letting the word become a part of our life. The Bible says don't be hearers only, but also be doers, right? Be doers of the word. In other words, we've been absorbed in the word, and so it becomes part of us, so that the Bible, the Word of God, becomes what we breathe in and out, in the things that we say and the things that we do. How many of you people pickle pickles? Boy, there's a few yet. My wife doesn't pickle pickles. My mom did. Where do pickles come from? Cucumbers. Do cucumbers taste anything like pickles? No, they're kind of blah, aren't they? They might be good on a salad with some kind of dressing, but just by themselves, ugh. But what happens, you take this blah pickle, this blah cucumber, and you put it in a brine, right? And you let it stew for a while, and it takes on the flavor of, are you a pickled Christian? See, by ourselves, we're just kind of blah. But when we're pickled in faith, when we're pickled in the word of God, it transforms us too. So that we are something different than what we are. We are the children of God. In our baptism, the same word that was spoken at Jesus' baptism is also spoken to us. When it says that, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the tri name of the triune God. And scriptures say, you are now a child of God. Of what happens in baptism. You are his. And so God is also saying, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And he's well pleased with us when we're clothed in Christ. He's not well pleased with our sinful nature, but he's well pleased with us in our Christian nature. You know, this last couple of weeks of uh, Epiphany, looked at the Sermon on the Mount. To live that Christian life 
One of the things Jesus says, if someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone wants to take your coat, give them your shirt as well. To anyone who asks, gives, give to them. How good are we at that? I'm not. I think about that. This last Thursday, Ukraine was invaded by Russia. I don't have very good thoughts towards Vladimir Putin. Matter of fact, I want doom harm. When someone confronts me, my first reaction isn't to do good things to them. Anger is met with anger. When Jesus tells us we're supposed to lay down our life because he's the example of it, you think about that. It says, while we were still enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus didn't die for us because we were good enough. It says, while we were still enemies, he died for us. Now, my wife and kids, I would probably die for them. But outside of that circle, I have some struggles. I know when I see people on the corner saying, I'll work for food or help me. I know one of the things that uh, we do when we're driving by those, well, they sure look like they have some pretty nice clothes or they're built kind of like me, so they must not have met, missed too many meals. And then I get guilty because that was my instant reaction. What does Jesus want me to do? See, Jesus is leading us to the promised land of our salvation. He has freed us from our bondage to sin. Part of my sinful nature looks at the money in my wallet as mine. But it's all his. When we talk about stewardship, we, say, we talk about you know, giving a first portion back to the Lord. Well, the truth is, we return a first portion to the Lord, but the rest is still his too. I mean, how much of this money in my wallet do you think that God wants me to spend on pornography? None. How much, does he, how much do you think he wants me to waste on other things? None. Same thing is true with my time. It's not my time. It's God's time. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his plea through us. You know, years ago I heard the statement, you may be the only Bible some people will ever read. You look at the early Christian church. It said they lived differently. They broke bread together. They took care of each other's needs. No one considered what they had as their own property with anyone in need. They shared it with everyone. And it said the rest of society paid attention and they were added to their numbers daily, those who were being saved. Because they lived differently. See, that's what we've been called out of. So that we may live differently. 
so that Jesus can be revealed in everything that we say and everything that we do. We become a part of the Jesus exodus by knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trying to live to his honor and to his glory in everything that we say and everything that we do. To God be the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in the true faith to life everlasting. Amen.